0: I'm thankful to have some special guests with us today. Uh, I believe that uh, Matt Day, where Matt, where are you at? Where are you sitting? Right there. It's good to be close, but you're not going to get to preach. <laughs> Matt is a powerful preacher. Has a wonderful church in Florida that he's grown. And y- y'all still don't have a permanent building, do you? don't need it (laughs) they can find you they'll come but I appreciate Matt he loves God he grew up at Cottage Hill loves the Word of God and has won many many people to Jesus in Venice Florida and that is not the Bible Belt and he has been used by God in a great way and then we had Rich Pernowski and and um Stacy Stacy what's your last name what Stacey Mitchell, y'all stand up. They, they were down at the uh, drag queen thing yesterday and created a lot of havoc. They really did. <laughs> you say, well, i <laughs> You may not have liked some of the things they said or the way they said it. I, I didn't know. But I know one thing, there's not going to be any more. That's all you need to know. They're not going to be any more. That's the last that's the last one. And uh, they both go all over the country just to, to antagonize and to stop the drag queen, man dressed, like, uh, dressed up like a woman, teaching children about alternate lifestyles. Thank God for both of you. Thank God for laying down your life. And thank God for doing it. You know, uh, Sometimes uh, somebody says, well, you may, not, you may not say it right or do it right, but it's better than being quiet and doing nothing. That's all i got to say. And before I'd be critical of anybody who said something a certain way, I would ask you the question, were you there? Were you out there demonstrating? Were you out there taking a stand? You see, the church has often wondered why did we ever get Roe versus Wade? And why did we ever get prayer out of schools? Why did we, how did we ever get same-sex marriage? i tell you how. Because the church was a coward. We were silent. We would not speak up and we would not stand. You know, we wanted to be accepted. They never accepted Jesus. <laughs> they never accepted Paul. He looked for the next jail he would go to everywhere he went. So I thank God for people who will take a stand. And I praise God that that wicked, ungodly thing called the drag queen will not be in a public library in Mobile ever again. They may get a private property. They may get a private property. They may be in a private property. But they will not be in a public place paid for by your taxes and mine. And you know, everybody wants a victory. But there's no victory without a battle. I'm just saying right now, boy, I want victory, but I don't want to fight. Don't happen. All right. That is not my message today. <laughs> you say, thank God. <laughs> you know, uh, let me pray and get, just ask the Lord to do a work in our hearts this morning. The Bible says, Father, overcome evil with good. And that is our passion and our desire. We thank you for the living, powerful Word of God. And we praise you, Lord, that you use it. It's a sword, Lord. It's like a hammer. Lord, I thank you that the Word of God is full of inspiration. But it's also full of rebuke. But it's always for our benefit and our glory. We thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I thank you so much for that, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that when we hide your word in our heart, we will not sin against you. So, Lord, speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it seems like we have a holiday for everything now. You know, and I, I like holidays, especially if you get off from work. But we have holidays. We have Boss's Day. We have Secretary's Day. We have Valentine's Day. We have, um, what else? Oh, we have Fourth of July Day, which I love, and Veterans Day. We've we got all kind of holidays. But uh, my favorite is uh, Thanksgiving. You know, Christmas kind of got clouded with uh, commercialism. You know, we're fixing to have Black Friday next Friday. What's that all about? You can go spend all your money and dig a black hole and crawl in it. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. I tell you, they know how to commercialize things. They got one television on the 32-inch for $79. 400 people will line up to get that $79 TV. But only three of them, only half three. I don't know how many there. But you see, but Thanksgiving, you know, we've kind of kept it at to where it's supposed to be. A time where we're thankful to God and express our thanksgiving and praise to the living God who who loves us, who's for us and not against us, who sent his son to die in our place so that we might live and live abundantly. You know, as I I was thinking about Thanksgiving, there there are two stories in the Bible that absolutely, uh, one of them really, in a sense, convicts me. But the other one just is so moving, if you can just put yourself back there in that day, that it will absolutely inspire you. It will cause you. To want to have the spirit. Of the lady. That was involved in that situation. You know we give thanks. To the one true living God. Make no mistake about it. There are, not, there are many gods. Little g. But there's only one true living God. With the big G. And so what we do at Thanksgiving is we give thanksgiving and praise to each other and for each other. But we give thanksgiving and we give praise to the true and living God. We give thanksgiving to the Father, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. You say, Brother Fred, there's just one God in it. You're exactly right. The triune God. And he is not physical. You know, when it says uh, uh, that Jesus did, was not, uh, made himself of no reputation, he laid aside his deity. The word there in the Greek is ousia, that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are the same substance. Not the same thing you can see or touch, but they're all deity. And you say, well, really, is uh, God the Father? God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, let me just give you one example. There are many in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, I want you to read these words. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. So here comes Jesus saying, John, I want you to baptize me. Well, John tried to prevent him. He said, oh, no. Uh-uh. I need to be baptized by you, and, and, and you're coming to me. Well, John wasn't about to baptize Jesus, but Jesus said, answered and said to him, Permit it now to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to, to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Okay. Now, when, when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, look what it says. When he'd been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. He must have been immersed. It didn't say he shook off what they sprinkled on him. Isn't that amazing? Why did I say that? When he had baptized, been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and we saw the Spirit of God. Now, we've got Jesus Christ, God the Son, and now we see God the Holy Spirit coming like a dove on Jesus and behold the heavens were open to him and when he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon Jesus now here we see the third suddenly a voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased right there in one passage we see God the Holy Spirit the dove we see God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we see God the Father, the triune God. God chose in time to manifest himself in a body, physically in Jesus Christ. And now God is present in this world, in our lives, in the person of the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ. So, we come today to give thanks and praise. To the one true living God. By the way, all the other gods are idols. They have eyes they do not see, ears they do not hear, and mouths they do not speak. And there's only one way to heaven, by the way, and that's through Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. In the book of Acts, when God's early church was moving, Spirit of God spoke and said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men where we by we must be saved. So, let's look at these two passages and then an invitation. In Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 7, I want to just read this. Come in as we go along. All right, what we see here is this a sobering question. Jesus asked a sobering question. Now it happened as Jesus went through Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers. Who stood afar off. You know, leprosy was very, very prevalent in that day. They had leper colonies. There's still a few leper colonies that exist in the world. Leprosy was when the, your skin and everything was eaten away. I don't know what they would call it. I guess they still call it leprosy. But if you were a leper, anytime you got close to anybody, you had a holler, you had to say, unclean, unclean. Unclean. That was saying to the people, I'm a leper. You're not supposed to get close to me. I, obviously, it was contagious. I don't know. But I know this they had to say unclean. So the people could, would not come close to them. And these le- 10 lepers, look what they did as Jesus came through. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, well they knew who he was. Have mercy on us. Lord, give us what we don't deserve. And when he saw, and when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priest. And it so it was as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed of their leprosy. Now Why did Jesus tell them to go to the priest? When a leper, quote, was healed, which was uncommon, he could not be declared clean except by the priest. And so Jesus, when he told those 10 lepers to go to the priest, he was saying, you're going to be healed. You're going to be healed. And the priest is going to declare you that you're no longer unclean. That you are clean. All right? So the, as they went, it says in the verse, as they went, they were healed as on, on the way. All ten, all ten of them were healed. <clears throat> and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Now, there were ten lepers... They all were going to die of leprosy. Jesus told them to go show themselves to the priest. And on the way, he healed them. The divine healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, one of them, of the ten, when he realized, he looked at his hands. He looked at the faces of the other nine and said, my heavens, we're healed. We're no longer a leper. We no longer have to be separated from our family. We can can get around regular people. But only one of them, now get this, but only one of them, go back to the first part of that verse, and one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks. Buddy, I can understand that. He would never be the same again. The master's touch had destroyed a deadly disease called leprosy. And so when he got back, he just said, praise you, Jesus. The Bible says in a loud voice, he cried out, glory to God, glory to God. And look at this, he fell on his face. Can you imagine what was going through his heart and his life? The emotions that he had, that he would never be the same again. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Now, here's a sobering question. Every time I read it, 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 and I don't know, it challenges me. Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten lepers that I healed? Were there not ten lepers cleansed? And then he asked this question. But where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? Are you telling me, Jesus, that they went right on to the priest? He declared them whole and clean. And not one of the nine came back and fell at your feet and glorified you and thanked you. And for the rest of his life would follow you? Jesus said, "Well, were there not 10 who had a touch from God? Where are the other nine? Did they not come back to give glory to God? And every time I think about that, you and I had a disease worse than leprosy. much worse. Leprosy could only kill the body, but we had a disease called sin, and we inherited it from Adam. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For by one man's sin entered into the world, and it passed to all men, for all have sinned. All we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. There's none righteous. No, not one. But you know that I perhaps and hope and pray that in your life there was a time when the Holy Spirit of God convicted you and you cried out to God, Lord, I'm unclean. I have a disease worse than leprosy. Sin, Leprosy can only destroy my body, but sin can restore my eternal soul. And I'll spend eternity separated from you. You see, but I wonder. I hope we're the one who every time we can breathe and every time we get up for another day, we just say to Jesus. We just glorify God. And we say to Jesus, thank you for healing me of my sin. Thank you. For for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you now that I have hope. The leper had no hope. He was going to die physically. But thank you that I now have hope. Not only in this life. That you'll see me through it. But I have hope in eternity. That I'll spend eternity with you in heaven. I, I, I don't want to be like the nine. Who forget. What God did for him. And you never need to get over the fact. If you're saved. That he washed your sins away with his precious blood. And that he rose from the dead to live his life in you. Now you've talked about thankful. You're talking about falling at his feet. And giving glory to God. I love that song. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It was Christ who purchased us and paid for it. So I want you to answer the question where are the nine? Well, Brother Fred, I'm not one of the nine. I have gone to I go to Jesus regularly, and I thank, and well, he lives in you, and I thank him and I praise him for what he's done for me and what he's doing for me. And by the way, you know why we come to church on Sunday? You say we come to worship God. You're right. But you know why we come? We come to say Jesus, I was a leper. I was a sinner. Separated forever. But oh Jesus, you touched me and I'm clean. Man, we come to the house of God to express our thanksgiving to the Father who sent his son into the world to die in his our place. We come to the house of God To give worship and praise to him who said, who came to live in us, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit. And said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me tell you something. There's a reason we gather on the Lord's Day. There's a reason we sing the songs we sing. There's a reason that we pray. And there's a reason that we look in the Word of God. And that is because we are praising God for who he is and for what he's done. Hallelujah. I don't want to be one of the nine. We want to be one of the ones who come to say, Lord, I'm never going to get over the fact that I'm a leper no longer. Never. Never going to get over it. But you know, there's another story. And that kind of convicts me because I don't feel like I have the gratitude and the thankfulness and the, give God the glory that he deserves. But I, but I can do, you, you, with the Holy Spirit, we can improve. But I want to tell you about this other one. It's a totally different direction. But boy, does this inspire me. Oh, my heavens. This story, I mean, uh, it's about a lady. And she became well-known in the Bible when it was all over. In fact, she was one of the first ones to see Jesus risen from the dead. But I want you to listen to her beginning, okay? It's found in... um, the book of um, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. I think of all the times somebody said, well, Brother Fred, as my pastor, would you go to lunch with me? I said, what day and how many days? But anyway, (laughs) then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Now, that's shocking because Jesus spent most of his time with publicans and sinners. He was never very attracted to religious people because he came to destroy their religion and to give them life. Have you ever wondered why the Pharisees hated Jesus so? Because he upset their religion. They said, now what you've got to do, you've got to wash your hands a certain way. You can't go more than a mile from your house on the Sabbath. To go more than a mile, you have to get permission. That's why Jesus said, if a man asks you to go one mile, go two. You couldn't eat eat any corn when you went through the fields on the Sabbath. Listen, now everything that was in the Mosaic law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I mean, the moral law of God, certainly it's to be kept and can only be kept by a child of God. But the Pharisees, they had the, the traditions of men, the traditions of men. Jesus said, you can't believe because of the traditions of men. You take the traditions of men out of a lot of religions in America, and there wouldn't be nothing left. Because they're sure not looking at the Bible. They're sure not uh, following the Word of God. And so uh, I'm surprised that that Pharisee asked Jesus to go. But I'm not surprised that Jesus went. Because he loved him. He didn't like his religion, but he loved him. See, his religion was through the law. If you do good enough and you keep the law, you'll go to heaven. But you see, they couldn't keep the law and, and because they had a sinful nature. And so, the, Jesus loved them. And so, the Pharisee asked him to go and eat with him. And he went down to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. Now this is very this boy. Some people are fixing to get upset right here now. This Pharisee, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus was at the table, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, she went down to his house. I'm gonna tell you something. I don't believe she ever went to the synagogue. All, she, all she'd get was religion. But she'd heard about Jesus. And she'd heard that Jesus loved sinners. And she'd heard about how Jesus, there was a woman caught in the act of adultery. And they were going to, by Moses and the law, they were going to stone her. You remember Jesus wrote down on the ground and, and one by one they left. He, and he basically said, now y'all want me to stone her? You want to stone her? Will let you without sin throw the first rock. That's what he told them. And now, if you're without sin, you throw the first stone. And one by one they left. And the only one that was left was Jesus. And G- Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, there are none. The only con- one who could have accused her and the only one who could have condemned her, Jesus, said, Neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. You see, Jesus wasn't soft on sin, but he was full of mercy and grace because he said to the woman, neither do I condemn you, but don't you go back to the lifestyle that you just left. Neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. So, the sinner, the lady who was a sinner comes into the Pharisee's house, and she's heard about the mercy and grace of Jesus. And so it says, Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, bought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Now, the, the, the story is that that uh, was about two years' wages. It was a special, expensive perfume. About two years' wages, really, is what I've heard you know I, I, that's still true today. Have you ever wondered why a little bottle of a perfume uh, is something I can't even think of the name of it and and and, and it costs you about a hundred and fifty dollars to spray some on your neck It's still expensive isn't it? What you need to do is open it and pour it on your head <laughs> that just but that just shows you what 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 this p- perfume in this alabaster box, how significant it was. And people knew what it was worth. They knew what it was worth. Well, it goes on and says, so she came in with the alabaster box and stood at his feet behind him. So here's Jesus. And so she's behind him and she's at his feet. Boy, this is strong. She stood at his feet behind him, weeping. She knew she was a sinner. She knew she needed mercy. She knew she needed help. She was tired of being used. She was tired of being beat up by the world. And she knew what it was to be rejected and to be an outcast, especially by the Pharisees. But she knew that Jesus loved her. And so she stood behind his feet and began to wash his feet with her tears. And she wiped them with the hair of her head. Man, this is strong. She kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now, buddy, you talk about thanking God. You talk about praising God. You're thinking about having a thankful heart and have a grateful heart because Jesus gave her hope. She saw hope in Jesus. She didn't have any hope anywhere else because she, it says she was a, a woman, of the, a, a sinner, a sinner known as a sinner in the city. And so she goes through this and she wipes his hair with his feet and and tears. And guess what the Pharisee did? (laughs) Boy, he got upset. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, Jesus, if he were a prophet, He would note who and what manner of woman he is touching him, for she is a sinner. That's just the problem, my Pharisee friend. I'm going to tell you, he knew what she was. He knew everything about her. And if she had to do do like lepers, if she had to cry unclean, she would have been the first one to cry. Oh, it wasn't that Jesus didn't know who she was. It wasn't that Jesus didn't know what you did. Oh, but Jesus came to love and save sinners. And Jesus answered and said to him, all right, so the Pharisee got upset because if he knew she was a sinner, he'd tell her, hey, get out of here. I'm just here for the religious people. Just go on your way, live in sin and die and go to hell. But no, that's not the heart of Jesus. Why do you think he left heaven? Why do you think he died on the cross? Why do you think he cried, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why do you think he did that for that woman? So that she could have hope. So that she could be forgiven. So she could have a new life. So she could have a future. He was the very person he came for. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon... I have something to say to you, and I, I, I believe Jesus he might have raised his voice when he said this i don't know. He said, Teacher, Simon said, Teacher say it. Now this Simon the Pharisee was not Simon Peter, but it was another Simon, that's a common name. And, and he told a story to the Pharisee, a certain creditor who had two debtors, two me, two, two people owed a man some money. One owed him 500 denarii. I don't know how much that is, but that's a lot. And the other owed him 50. Now, that's a pretty big difference. This one guy owed him 500. The other owed him 50. Jesus is telling the story. And they had nothing with which to repay him. They could not repay him. But he freely forgave them both. He said to the man with $500, he took the note where he owed him $500, tore it up said, you don't owe me anything. He took the $50 note of the man who owed him 50 tore it up and said, you don't owe me nothing. And then Jesus asked this question. Tell, and when they had nothing to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of him will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more." And he said to him, you have rightly judged. And, and he went on and said to the woman, uh, and then one went on and said to Simon, he, he said, uh, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, Simon, and you didn't give me, you gave me no water for my feet but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved so much. She loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And the, those who sat at the table began to say to themselves, Who is he that forgives sin? What Jesus was saying there, when a person realizes their sinfulness, and they go to Jesus and humble themselves, do you reckon she humbled herself? She knew what they thought about her. They knew how they felt about her. But she stood behind his feet and began to wash him with her tears, wipe him with her hair, and then put poured the perfume on him. They said to the woman, go go uh, to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. You know, I, I wonder, that, that expression of love and thankfulness and praise to Jesus absolutely overwhelms me. But you know, we were in the same condition that woman was in. We're all sinners. We all need his mercy. We all need his grace. We all need his forgiveness. <laughs> so the next time you get up and get dressed and come to, come to church, and it's not the building, you're just going to gather with people that love Jesus well, you know, I'm going to go to church today and I'm going to wash his feet with my tears. I'm going to wipe his uh, feet with my hair. And I'm going to anoint him with the oil of worship and the oil of praise. You see, you know, coming to church is not just about coming to church. It's just gathering with people who want to wash the feet of Jesus and anoint him with oil and thank him, forever thank him for their forgiveness, that their sins are. And you know what? She left that Pharisee's house, and boy, the burden of her sin had been lifted. And boy, I don't know what she was singing, but I guarantee she was singing now. She had a new song in her heart. She had a new life in her spirit. Because she had met the Master and she had worshiped him. She had worshiped him. She was forgiven. Praise God. Every now and then, somebody that's, you know, we're all sinners, but some have been worse sinners than others. I used to say to some people, he's a pagan, pagan. Now that's bad. It's one thing to be a pagan, but if you're a pagan, pagan, that's real bad. I said, buddy, he was a pagan, pagan. But look at him now. He, he falls at the feet of Jesus all the time, spiritually. He can't get over what God's done for him. Let me say something. I don't ever want to get over what God has done for me and what God has done for you. I don't ever want to get over I'm telling you, you know, we hear it so much, we get familiar with it, and we just kind of go our way, and there's so many things that are more attractive to us than Jesus, but buddy, I'll tell you one thing, we all need the spirit of this woman, and we all need with humility to be constantly saying, I was lost. But you found me. One of my favorite passages is over in Matthew 18, 11 through 14. I want you to listen to what it says The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that one sheep than the 99 that did not go astray. Even so it is, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish you know, the picture I saw about that that moved me was, it was about a picture about the 99 that were in the fold, and it shows Jesus as a shepherd going to seek the one. And in the picture, it was a, it was a, obviously just a, a young sheep, I don't know. But this author, this artist in the writing, Jesus had the sheep wrapped around his neck and on his shoulders. And he was bringing that sheep back to the fold. Obviously, the sheep could not walk itself. Maybe it had been hurt or what something. But here he went to the, nine, to the one, and he picked the sheep up and put him on his shoulders and brought him back. And the Holy Spirit said, you're the one. You're the one that he went after. You're the one that he put on your shoulders. You're the one that he brought back. Now, don't you ever forget that. If you're saved, if you're a child of God, if you know that this moment you died, you'd go to be with Jesus, you really know that you belong to him. You have a life of righteousness, not a perfect life, but a life of righteousness. I'll tell you, don't you, you just, you just got to remember, you were the one that he went, picked you up put you on his shoulders and brought you back. And that's why you're sitting here today. Well, there's one last thing I want to mention to you. I don't want to be one of the nine. Where are the nine? They never went back. I don't want to be that way. You don't want to be that way. We want to be like uh, Mary Magdalene really who it was. We won't be like Mary. We won't be like her. (laughs) She never got over it. Never got over it. Never got over him. Followed him all the way to the cross and to the empty tomb. But you know, there's a verse that I I think is so appropriate if there is a verse for this time of the year. It's in Psalm 100, and I just want to mention a couple of things. It says, make a jo- joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. Don't, don't get so caught up with the, 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 this world and the condition it is in. Don't get caught up with that, because I want to tell you, know that the Lord, He is God. And it says in the book of Genesis, in the beginning. <laughs> and when it comes to the end, it's still going to be God. God was in the beginning, and God is going to be in the end. And I've read the whole book, and I want to tell you right now, Jesus overcame the the blood of the Jesus overcame the world, the flesh, and the devil. And one day he's coming back for his bride and his body, the church. And it's not going to be a ragged and dirty bride. It's going to be a pure and holy bride. And he's going to put his feet on on the mountain in Jerusalem. And it's going to split. And Jesus Christ will reign and reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And that's all I need to know. Because if Jesus has overcome, you and I will overcome. I am not following a loser. I'm following the winner. And you're following the winner. Boy, people with proud hearts, they think, that they think they've got all the answers and they think it's going, they're going to control everything. I'm going to tell you something, friend. The cross is empty. The tomb is vacant. But the throne is occupied. And Jesus is on that throne right now. And he will reign forever and ever. And the sooner, the better. And it says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. And we are his. And it says, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The best translation in the Hebrew is, we are his people and we are his. That's what it is in the Hebrew. We are his people and we are his. And this is what I want you to see. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, and bless his name. Be thankful to him, and bless his name. You know, I wondered, for the Lord is good. That's an understatement, isn't it? <laughs> the Lord is all right, I, I'm going to try to say, the Lord is good, 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 good. His mercy is everlasting. You know how long everlasting is? It's everlasting. God never runs out of mercy. Now, now let me say this. God's, we're living in the day of grace. We're living in the day of mercy. But the day will come. When the judgment of God and the wrath of God will be poured out. And the Bible says Jesus saved us from the wrath to come. And it's called the wrath of God and the great wrath of God. But he is merciful. And he will be merciful throughout eternity. But if you reject his mercy, there's nothing left but judgment. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. You know why we're here this morning? His truth is enduring to all generations. This book's, over, this book's thousands of years old. People, you know, criticize it and say, boy, there come the time, you know. Let me, somebody said, we need to defend the Bible. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, no, you just need to preach it and watch it explode It's got power in itself. His his truth endures forever. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set him free. So you enter his gates with thanksgiving. Just thank him for all he's done for you. I'd like to have about an hour just to name all that he's done for you. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. For all that he's done, not just your material blessings, but all your spiritual blessings. Just thank him. And then you go on out of his, uh, when you realize how thankful you are and what he's done for you, then you move, you enter his gates with thanksgiving, and then you go on into the courts, and what you do is you praise him for who he is. You praise him for who he is. The one true living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. He is mercy. Merciful. He doesn't have mercy. He is mercy. He is grace. He's the grace of God. Where sin abounded, grace did much more. He's grace. He doesn't have grace. He is grace. God is love. God is mercy. God is grace. God is holy. And that's why he calls us to live above the level of this world and to live holy lives. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. We don't live by the world's standards. We live by the the, the word of the living God, by the word of the living God. And so we praise him for who he is. He's truth. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And you come on into his courts with praise. You're thankful to him. And you bless his name.